0: Welcome one and all to a surprise preview episode of the Podcast Without a Cool Acronym. The podcast where we review Disney television animation shows. I'm Chandler De Roche. Joining me here today is Emma De Rocher. Emma Spook. Oh, sorry, Emma Spook. She's still my sister. Yeah. I'm um, still
1: your sister. But I'm spooky.
0: Yes. And that's exactly why you're here today. Yes, ma'am. Um, because I had actually wanted this subject to be a video. But that didn't end up working out.
1: Ha, yeah, we tried it like three different ways and here we are!
0: This all would have been avoided if my new computer had gotten here a couple days earlier, but it's still sitting in its box. I'm recording this on the computer I already have set up. Once I finish recording this, I'm going to take this setup down and set up my new computer. But anyways, um, we're here today to talk about uh, Disney Television Animation Halloween episodes.
1: Halloween, bitches! Yeah, we had a lot of
0: fun watching these. Um, We're going to go through them. I kind of compiled a top 13 list of...
1: Well, I had fun watching 12 of the 13. One of them I was just confused as shit as to what in the name of fuck was going on. But Yeah, but
0: we'll get to that. Uh, <laughs> and that's not your fault. I don't blame you on that one.
1: What the fuck?
0: Okay, so the first one is the monster of Phineas and Ferbenstein. Um, zero out of
1: ten for inaccuracy. I'm just going to start off by saying that. There were five (laughs) kills in Frankenstein, and there were zero kills in the monster of Phineas and Ferbenstein and Isabella should be dead. She should have been drowned in the lake by Phineas and Verbenstein's monster, and it didn't happen. Zero out of ten for inaccuracy.
0: So the actual plot of the episode is, of course, a riff on Mary Shelley's Frankenstein and also Jekyll and Hyde. Basically, the boys build... Well, actually, not the boys themselves... It's a storming day in Danville, and Grandpa Fletcher is telling everyone a story about Ferb's... Great, 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 great,
1: great, great,
0: great uncle. Great uncle. And meanwhile, Perry goes to do his normal thwarting of Doofenshmirtz when they both get locked in, and Doofenshmirtz decides to tell the other half of this story, which conveniently happened on the same day. What are the chances? Actually, in this universe, pretty good. It's like Back to the Future levels of... Oh, these same ancestors look exactly the same as their ancestors and descendants and all of that. Yeah. It's the, the endless parade of tannins. Uh <laughs> But yeah, so that's a fun one, kind of a, a smaller one. This is one of the earlier ones of course, but it's a good one. Um next up we have number twelve, that's the spirit.
1: I still don't understand their business
0: model. Yeah, I don't understand the business model either. So basically, this is another Haunted House episode, but unlike the one we'll talk about later, which I like a little more because it has a little more charm to it. um, The gang goes into a haunted house that they happen upon, and it has all manner of spooky things, and it ends up all being fake. All of it is just these special effects wizards just messing with this random group of kids they found on the street. Well, I mean, come to think of it, that seems to be the business model of Halloween Horror Nights this year. <laughs> hey, are you in the park today? Want to do Beetlejuice? Yeah, why not, right? What the fuck? Shake, 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 Sonora! <laughs> shaking all the time. <sighs> and meanwhile, um, Schwartz is a werecow. Yeah, that made no fucking sense. And, um, he becomes one of the eat more chicken cows. <laughs> he becomes the spokesperson for Chick-fil-A. No, it's the weirdest thing because Perry walks in to his apartment and he's chained himself to the wall in restraints. Like he mow, into some... Mow, 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 yeah, like mow, he's a, Yeah, um... <laughs> But overall, that's a fun one. I like that one. Number 11, The Curse of Candace. This one is a really fun one. It's a a riff on vampire movies, of course. Well, the whole thing literally starts with a riff on vampire movies. Yes. They're basically watching Twilight. Including a Michael J. Fox cameo that can't keep his shirt on. Um, Candace gets attacked by a vampire bat that the theater decided to rent out, and she thinks that she's a vampire as a result of Phineas and Ferb's inventions for the day, which are a collection of random things just to make their friends happy. Like, there's a super grow light for Isabella's bamboo, there's, um, there's hover jets in the, in the grass to make Buford be able to levitate, and a mirror with a live video playback for Irving to be invisible, Because apparently they didn't think of making an invisibility suit. That was an Invisible Man reference, by the way.
1: Yes, you're funny.
0: The new one, not the old one. But the old one's also really good. Yes. We're gonna need a dustpan and some glue. (laughs) Well, it's one of those where it's just kind of a punchline that doesn't actually stick. I mean, there's another episode that ends with all the characters being turned into babies. And Candace literally says, this better wear off before the next episode. So, obviously not gonna stick there. Number 10, Hungry Larry from Star vs. the Forces of Evil.
1: This one was legitimately disturbing.
0: Yeah, this one had some really creepy stuff going for it. It was good. Marco's dad wants to have a haunted house, but Marco has to bribe eight-year-olds to try to do it, and even then they're not interested.
1: Because it's like...
0: The lamest thing imaginable.
1: It's like... Adventure Dome Five Nights at Freddy's Haunted House Levels of boring
0: And if you don't know what that means Basically it's not good It's not good at all And Star being Star Happens to just know a demon that they can summon That can make the house scary And and Marco's like No we're not summoning a demon Smash cut to Star and Janice summoning the demon Because of course
1: And the ritual is just random as shit You write on a takeout menu With mustard, oh, mustard. and then you lick it off
0: and then this ghost just shows up at your door, and he's like, hi. He's like a small bean, and then, and then he, he devours everybody. He, he literally just devours everyone. That's what makes him scary, is he just eats everyone alive. It's really unsettling. And yeah. I guarantee you there's some really screwed stop
1: up it. On stop over. it stop it stop it we're not gonna talk about rule 34 <laughs> we're not gonna talk about rule 34 uh, I don't wanna go down that rabbit hole rule
0: 34 number 9 October 31st from Kim Possible also known as Larry Boy in the from Outer Space meets Summerween meets Iron Man
1: here's my thing this out of all of them felt the least like a Halloween episode
0: I mean, it's got plenty of Halloween stuff in it.
1: Yes, but if you take that out, the episode can still function. My definition of what makes a Halloween special a Halloween special is when Halloween is an integral part of the story. Therefore, like Summerween and That's the Spirit and stuff like that work because they are about Halloween and the episode plot revolves around Halloween this it could just as easily be kim wants to go to a christmas party ron wants to like marathon christmas movies and they're doing some sort of toys for tots type toy drive at the hospital and kim is faced with the same the same dilemma it could have been the same thing
0: that's a fair point so it's kind of like die hard where the first one is very much tied to christmas but the other ones aren't and it could have easily been made not to tie into christmas or the other one i could think of is home alone
1: home alone is not a christmas movie is it a good movie yes absolutely
0: and then there's the second one that we don't talk about for reasons Wait,
1: there's a second one yeah we don't what? talk about that what are you talking we don't talk
0: about? about lost in new york okay. um oh, no. But the actual plot of the episode is there's this Centaurian project that Duff Killigan has stolen and Draken wants to buy it. But Kim shows up and gets it and it ends up getting stuck to her wrist and she's stuck with it until Monday. And Monique- I guess
1: this secret office- or I guess this secret laboratory that made this project operates on standard office hours.
0: Apparently, yeah. That's really hilarious to me that they're not even concerned that their project was stolen. Uh, But Monique has gotten the green light to have a Halloween party, and apparently this wasn't planned, like, weeks in advance, and she just got the green light to have it, like, the day of or something. And Kim has to lie, or thinks she has to lie to her parents and to Ron to go to this party. But the funny thing is, the boy that she likes would have been down with going trick-or-treating and going to the hospital's haunted house. So if she hadn't lied, just to add insult to injury, if she hadn't lied, she could have done everything with this cute boy that she liked. Um, But the suit grows whenever she lies. And that's what Wade figures out really quickly. And before long, she's full-blown Iron Man as the villains are holding Ron and her parents hostage. Which is a really humorous situation because, first of all, all of the villains are really disappointed in Kim, which I think is hilarious. (laughs) They're, They're, like, absolutely stunned that she lied. And... When Kim's dad comes to yell at her, Draken immediately backs off. And is like, oh shit, I'm gonna let him deal with this. Yeah, <laughs> which I thought quite was, funny. I thought that was great. I thought that was really, really fun. Uh, I I really love the all the villains in Kim Possible. They're great. Number eight, Milo's Halloween Screamatorium from *Milo Murphy's Law*. We're not gonna spend much time on this one because Emma just needs to go back and actually watch *Milo Murphy's Law*.
1: Yeah. I have no idea what was going
0: on. And this one's not even really involved in the Pistachio Protector stuff, but yeah, the the whole thing with time travel is something that you wouldn't really expect if you haven't already seen this show, but the whole first season deals with time travel, and then the second one deals with aliens. Well, more specifically, the first season is about time travel and pistachios specifically.
1: Fucking, why pistachios?
0: Because pistachios are funny. I mean, I guess. The the funniest not to say. It's like lettuce versus cabbage. Cabbage is funnier.
1: I mean, I guess.
0: And other than that, we have a haunted house that fits in a semi-truck. How did this happen? I don't know.
1: Listen, I work with semi-trucks on a daily basis. There ain't no way you can fit a damn haunted house in there unless it's literally you walk down, you turn around, you walk back out.
0: Well, they fit a haunted house into the Shrek theater, so anything's possible there. shut up. (laughs) What are you doing in my swamp?
1: Shrek's swamp is a bigger on the inside situation. Believe me, I've been there.
0: (laughs) Number seven, Blood Moon from Big City Greens. Night of the Living Dead with farm animals. Yeah, pretty much. So the story behind this one is... And if you haven't seen Big City Greens, basically the whole premise of the show is that the younger generation Green family, the dad, Bill, and the kids, Tilly and Cricket... Move into the big city to be with their grandma, who owns the family farm, which kind of got built around up style, where the farm is in the middle of the big city, and the city is literally called Big City, hence Big City Greens. And there's a couple fun threads going through this one. The main one, obviously, being the animals going crazy and attacking and keeping everyone inside due to the Blood Moon. Uh, and it's revealed that the reason why is because their dad let them out because back in the country they had to drive around to go trick or treating and their dad really enjoyed that but cricket and tilly were excited to go trick-or-treating on their own for the first time and he didn't want to be left behind then there's the rich kid and i can't remember his name for the life of me do you remember what his name was no remy wasn't his name remy Was it? Yeah, so Remy goes dressed as a hot dog and is mad because his bodyguard, like I said he's a rich kid is also dressed as a hot dog but it turns out that Remy was actually the costume thief the whole time because his bodyguard always goes dressed as a hot dog and their dad meanwhile still tries to keep it together while they've lost power and do fake trick-or-treating and Halloween stuff inside and it doesn't work at all and Meanwhile, Tilly is going all mad scientist on the girl who works at the coffee shop next door, because she got bitten, and even though there's nothing to indicate that this is a viral infection or anything, that's the route that it goes, and it's really funny, because Tilly is just hilarious about everything. Like, she's she's a super fun character, I like Tilly. Do you have anything else to add?
1: Not really, no. Which, yeah, again, based on a horror movie that has a high kill count and no kills.
0: Well, they're not just going to kill people off like that in a TV show, unless it was like... See, I did, I did buy that from, like, Grey's Anatomy, where they would just kill off a major character for shock value in a Halloween episode. But I don't I even think they stooped that low.
1: Yeah, I don't know.
0: Kind of a side tangent, but um, a while ago, my mom was rewatching Grey's Anatomy, and it is insane how many characters have died pretty gruesomely in that show. It's it's kind of like Walking Dead, but as a medical drama, it's like, oh, who's gonna die next? We don't know. If, I, if it were me, I would be staying as far away from that hospital as possible. There's some bad luck going on there.
1: Um, this guy died in surgery. No, wait, actually, he rolled under a dumpster, and he's fine. Oh, no, wait, he got his head smashed in. No, a no,
0: like, time. so one character literally I survived- I making a job. I know, but, like, this is how insane Grey's Anatomy is. One character literally survived a plane crash, and then he ended up getting hit by a semi later. Yeah. And the last episode he was in was him narrating his thoughts as this inexperienced hospital screws up and kills him. (laughs) Yeah. And that was, of course, Patrick Dempsey, who also is a race car driver and was in an episode of Phineas and Ferb. Anyways, back to uh, Phineas and Ferb. Number six, Druselstina Ween.
1: Um... Grady Twins reference?
0: Yes, there was a Grady Twins reference. Um, So the the story of this one, why don't don't we talk about the story first before we talk about the horror movie references? Ma'am. That's
1: what I'm here for.
0: Well, yes. So the story of this one is that Schwartz has just gotten a castle ship to him from his aunt.
1: Because you can just, you know... Get a whole-ass castle Amazon Prime next day delivered to your
0: house. I mean, that's kind of the joke, because it's completely absurd that this castle would have been shipped there. Uh, what? Uh, so this castle's been shipped over to Doofenshmirtz, and Vanessa, of course, immediately seizes the opportunity and hires Phineas and Ferb to throw the most awesome Halloween party ever. Wish. Oh, can we also talk about the, the thing that bookends the episode, which is Linda and Lawrence's whatever? <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know that they had some fucking kinky sex.
0: Whoa, whoa, whoa. Po, po, po. <laughs> yeah, um, so Lawrence was a gorilla and Linda was a nurse. Uh, but they scare the crap out of trick-or-treaters at the end of the episode. And they do a better job than Grunkle Stan ever could have dreamed. Which I guess is why Phineas and Ferb decided to not go trick-or-treating this time around.
1: I guess.
0: Um, but anyways, back to the actual main plot of the episode. Um, Vanessa seizes the opportunity to have this party and she invites Monty to go since it's a costume party so Monty can go and be seen with her and it wouldn't matter. And the whole joke with this is that everyone in town decides to go as a vampire queen and or the Scarlet Pimpernel. I mean, that's kind of how it works in real life, though. When you go as the big hot costume, everyone ends up going as that. Harley
1: Quinn. Harley
0: Quinn or like, um, or like the Mandalorian with Baby Yoda.
1: Yeah, that would have been a big one this year if it wasn't for COVID.
0: Well, you know what I've seen a lot this year just at Disney is I've seen a lot of people doing Captain Hook, and I'm not really sure why. Was there uh, a Peter Pan reboot that actually worked that I didn't see? No. Of course not, because all the Peter Pan remakes have been terrible except for Hook. So, of course, the party's going on, and the little thing that Isabella does is she is dressed up as Cinderella, and she tries throwing her shoes at Phineas in order for him to bring one back and it doesn't work and she runs out of shoes but then they have a cute little moment where they dance together barefoot at the end so that's that's cute um meanwhile doofenshmirtz and perry are going on a scavenger hunt to try to find the treasure that's hidden within the castle and the scavenger hunt primarily just winds up dumping him in the moat
1: After the Tower of Terror
0: drop. Yeah, so there's an elevator, which that's where the Grady Twins reference happens, is there's twins that get out of the elevator, and, like, obviously. And then they go up in the elevator, and then it drops, and it, like, goes through a bunch of inversions and stuff. It's like, it's like the Golden Horse knockoff of Tower of Terror or something. If you don't know what Golden Horse is, it's this really crappy Chinese ride manufacturer that makes, like, the most egregious knockoff rides. And towards the end, Monty is almost spotted by Monogram, but quickly switches places with Stacy in the one time that they actually acknowledge the fact that Stacy knows about Perry.
1: Yeah, I completely forgot about that.
0: Yeah, I like that they did that, and I hope that they'll do something else with it in the future. But we'll see. The main thing that I love about this episode is the art design. The art design is really cool. Yes. Like the castle looks fantastic. You, you can tell that the background painters had fun with this. They, have, they, have fun with a, they get to have fun with a lot of episodes like this. Number five. Terrifying Tri-State Trilogy of Terror. So this is a really fun Treehouse of Horror homage with three separate stories, of course. And given that the show has three concurrent storylines, usually, that lends itself to a Treehouse of Horror format pretty easily. And the framing device for this one is the Macabre Bookmobile, which is... Actually, the whole time, a framing device within a framing device, because it's revealed that the macabre bookmobile doesn't even exist, he's just pitching it to an investor. But the actual stories throughout the episode are, well, they don't actually have names. The first one is about uh, an incantation that you read aloud to bring a doll to life. Do it, Dambala, Give me the power I back of you! It's not a cursed AI for this one.
1: No. It's such a stupid. Isn't that how Alexa's get made, though? D- Shut up.
0: You just turn I'm the code... I'm pretty
1: sure my Alexa has the fucking code turned scary red, because she fucking hates me.
0: Well, I know my Siri has just decided that I like random rap music, and half the <laughs> time, when I ask it to play something, it plays some something completely different that's rap music. Like, I didn't ask for this, Siri. Um, but yeah, you turn the Siri... You, you turn the code a scary red color, and then you just kill yourself, because why not? Yikes. That's what the guy did at the beginning. I know, I'm just saying. And because why not? I turned one doll evil and it's going to go on a murderous rampage. Well, it's That'll
1: that'll show the company that. uh, Well,
0: you know what, though? It's still better than anything that happened in Seed of Chucky. But then it's revealed that Ducky Momo isn't evil because the moon wasn't actually shining when she did the incantation on Ducky Momo. But now Mr. Miggins is evil because. We need an ending for the episode. Or for the third of the episode, rather. The second third is about the inexplicable giant floating baby head, and this one, of course, is Doofenshmirtz's plot. Apparently, if you summon the giant floating baby head and touch it, you get three wishes.
1: But, of course, it's like Twilight Zone wishes, where it completely...
0: Yeah, well, Doofenshmirtz says as much. He's like, I have to be specific because... Otherwise, he'll add some horrible twists, and he actually ranted about this earlier in the Lake Nose Monster episode when he was on a food high from buffalo wings. You know that's who you should really be stopping, Genies. Man, they add some horrible twists to everything. Like you ask to jump high, and so he turns you into a frog. Who benefits from this? The genie? Where's the benefit? Um, but yeah, so doomage words wastes his first wish on an iced tea just to see if it works, which, I mean, your fingers are literally baby heads, so I think it would work.
1: He's an
0: idiot. Yeah, but he's our lovable idiot. Then, the second wish he's about to make, but Perry breaks out of his trap, which has, which is, he was slammed into a book and put into a bookcase. So Perry knocks the bookcase over onto his foot, and he says, Cheese and crackers! And... He's like, well, you made me waste that wish, but I'll take full advantage of this, and I'll have you be attacked by cheese and crackers. And so cheese and crackers starts attacking Perry, and... I
1: still wonder what would have happened if Schwartz cursed like a normal adult.
0: <laughs> Hot Belgian waffles! Wait, I'm alone. I can swear for real! Son of a... And then part three is basically gremlins with evil platypus clones.
1: Which, by the way, who the fuck came up with pouring a pouring grape juice on a platypus? Who has ever poured grape juice on a platypus?
0: Literally nobody. Like, I'm pretty sure the writers were where they came up with that. That was the first time that sentence had entered the world. Unless somebody was really bored in Australia and or drunk and decided, Oh, mate, I'm going to pour my grape juice onto a platypus because why not? I've got nothing else to do. I've just got a platypus here.
1: That was a really shitty Australian I know. I'm accent. sorry.
0: I'm sorry. You
1: are going to lose any subscribers you have in Australia, because they're going to be like, wow, this man <laughs> is so
0: racist against us. I'm just trying to do a bad <laughs> Australian accent. I'm sorry. Um, but anyways, so... Buford pours grape juice on Perry, and... It immediately starts sprouting platypus clones who run off, run off with the box of grape juice. And apparently that box of grape juice has enough grape juice in it to create a, an army of platypus gremlins. But before that, Isabella says what's probably my favorite line in the entire episode, which is an Aliens reference. I say we take off and nuke the Cyber Marvin. It's the only way to be sure. So they go to Beljit's cowboy life coach, because apparently... What the
1: fuck was that I all I don't know. About, he yeah. literally
0: never comes up again. I think it's just a reference to how a lot of horror movies will have like this older character who has nothing to do with anyone else. Kind of like Mother Abigail in The Stand. But they end up figuring out that they can use um, power washer things to wash and clean up the evil platypus clones and they end up getting chased into a grape juice box factory because of course i mean do, do juice box factories even make just like hang on. would a juice box factory make just one flavor of juice
1: i don't know
0: i would think the juice would be processed and be brought in but i'm not sure honestly
1: that movie is great. It is a good
0: movie. It's like Shaun of the Dead meets La La Land uh, and set during Christmas, but I don't think anyone else has seen it. Anna and the Apocalypse. It's available on Shudder
1: Shutter, and Amazon
0: Prime for free, so go watch it. It's a fun watch, especially if you're still in the spooky mood, but it's almost Christmas time. So then Phineas doubles back and says that um, the cowboy mentor rides in on a unicorn and... <laughs> Then they end up beating the Platypus clones by dumping the soap bubbles into the sprinkler system. And then Alex Hirsch shows up as Officer Concord, the juice box flavor cop.
1: What the fuck was that about?
0: Just a little slice of randomness to get Alex Hirsch a cameo, because why not? You know what, if this episode was made now, it would have been Alex Hirsch playing the bookmobile guy, and it would have been more of kind of a Grunkle Stan-like character. Yeah. Because at that point it would have been an homage directly to Gravity Falls. Uh, Because Amphibia actually did a whole episode that was an homage to Gravity Falls with a Grunkle Stan-like frog character. Except he's not nearly as nice as uh, the actual Grunkle Stan. Because the actual Grunkle Stan is, uh, is secretly a big sweetheart. Number four, one good scare ought to do it. There's not really a whole lot to this one, but it's a classic for a reason. It's one of the first ones that they did as a Halloween episode. And the whole premise of it is that Isabella has the hiccups, and Phineas and Ferb build a haunted house to try to scare the hiccups out of her.
1: I mean, it's a classic. You, you can't go wrong with it.
0: Right. I had
1: one good scare. i ought to do it stuck in my head for the last two days now. Thank you very much
0: for that. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah, it's a, it's a great song. Uh, I love how creative they got with the haunted house. It's 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 a cool haunted house with a lot of fun mechanical scares because obviously they only have so many friends to actually do. You know, physical scares.
1: Yeah.
0: And I mean, they wasted three of the fire girls on one costume
1: apparently you need three
0: puppeteers apparently that was a an important thing to have three puppeteers for the other things that happened in this episode are doofenshmirtz is going to destroy his old mentor's hideout using a descend evaporinator or whatever and half the time is
1: his mentor was trying to set fire to the sun
0: yes because kevin has his reasons but half the time as Perry is Perry's hiding the keys to the escape jet under his foot, <laughs> he makes Doofenshmirtz, like, balance on a ball and spin plates just because. Or maybe Doofenshmirtz suggested that and Perry's like, you know what, screw it, why not? Um, and Candace is gonna go over to Jeremy's house because her mom's over there for the book club and she really just cares about Jeremy. And she wears the famous outfit that we only ever see her in in one other episode.
1: We're Candace
0: simps for Jeremy. Yes, in uh, Comet Kermillian of course, which has one of the most famous songs in Phineas and Ferb history. And this is also one of the few times where the invention disappears while they're still in it. And this time they're actually Phineas is actually put in some danger for like a second there. And that ultimately ends up being what gets rid of Isabella's hiccups. Assuming she actually had them and wasn't just faking the whole time. By the way, what do you think about the haunted house being dragged away by Christmas lights?
1: Fuck that. That hits too close to home in terms of people taking down their decorations and putting up Christmas stuff immediately on, ha- like immediately after Halloween. Or before
0: Halloween, in the case of the parks. In
1: the case of that one fucking asshole neighbor we had, too, who was taking down his Halloween lights and putting up Christmas lights on the fucking 30th. Like, what the hell is wrong with you, you dumbass? <laughs>
0: Whoa, Emma's really passionate about that.
1: Yeah, I fucking am, because Halloween is my favorite holiday, and I'm sorry, do you want me to start taking down my Christmas stuff and putting Halloween stuff back up on December 24th? No! Fuck you! Stop it! Let Halloween have its time!
0: Well, I think you'd put up lawn decorations for, like, St. Patrick's Day first. No. But nobody wants that, because nobody wants to celebrate the Leprechaun movies. (laughs) Okay, anyways, speaking of horror movies, let's talk about the Amphibia episode The Shut-In, which is my number three pick.
1: That, honestly, is my favorite one,
0: other than what your number one is. Yeah, and I, I picked number one for a good reason, but that one is fantastic, and it's the newest one on there to the point where it's actually not on um, Disney+. Plus. Yeah, we had to watch it on Disney Now and ha- watch the horrifying commercials they play on Disney XD, but anyways... So the shut-in is another treehouse horror-style episode. And the whole setup is that there's a blue moon in Wartwood and everyone has to bore themselves up in their houses and not go outside and look at the blue moon because otherwise you'll be possessed by the blue moon or something like that. And so they all sit inside and tell scary stories to pass the time and make it so that they don't want to go outside. And the rule is that they have to have actually happened. Although Anne breaks this rule immediately. And meanwhile, poor Polly is trying to come up with a story to tell that every time she's stopped because it's like, oh, well, that was already something we all lived through. Because two of the prior episodes that are mentioned are there's one where there is zombies caused by fungus. And there's another one with a cannibal run hotel.
1: What the fuck? I need to watch this show.
0: Yeah, Amphibia is actually a pretty dark show if you've only heard of this show through the one episode of escape from vault Disney, where they talked about the good cop, bad cop episode. I can't remember exactly what it was called and, um, trip to the archives. That is honestly not the best example of how dark this show can get (laughs) because the whole thing with Gunther was a little on the crazy monster design side, but it was more just funny. But yeah, this show can get pretty dark when it wants to, and it goes there pretty frequently. A lot of crazy creatures that they get attacked by. Uh, but as for the stories themselves, as for the stories themselves, the first one is called Phonemo, you know, like FOMO, and that's the one that Ann tells. And in this one, a human version of Sprig and Polly, or sorry, Twig and Molly, Join her high school, where there is a video that's been going around on something resembling Instagram. But the the catch is that everyone who's looked at it has mysteriously disappeared. And the monster is basically... Samara,
1: but a bunny cat thing, cute thing that has the same weakness as Pennywise from It Chapter 2, where you can just bully it to death... I'm the Eater of Worlds! You're just a fucking ugly clown!
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Anne looks at the video and gives into peer pressure, and it results in her getting attacked by this, but she ends up beating it because she figures out, like like Emma said, its weakness is that it's it doesn't do well when it's bullied. <laughs> and so it kind of just dies. I don't
1: understand how this thing exists on the internet when it's so weak against being bullied because I'm sorry I have a TikTok account where I get called a man a tranny um, uh, I don't know get told to kill myself on the daily
0: well it hasn't had the alt-right trolls sent after it yet
1: Because <laughs> it, cause it's not it been, hasn't
0: been doxxed yet obviously it's not just living
1: it's life as a trans woman that's why a lot
0: of people complain that the princesses in Ralph Breaks the Internet were out of character but I'm like no they're versions of these characters that have had to live on the internet I'd say that's completely accurate yeah so the second story is called Dead End and in that one Hot Pop loses his Donald Trump hair. <laughs> okay, but more more accurately the the story revolves around Hot Pop basically being a wagon driver for the Grim Reaper and they go from stop to stop and horrible things happen to people along the way, but we never actually see anything happen. It's all off screen. We just hear like screaming or it's implied that like one person was sick and it's like well, that, per- that frog is dead now. But see, they're frogs, so I guess we can hear that they died and it's not a big deal? I don't know.
1: Hi, I'm James A. Janice. Welcome to the Kill Count, where we tell you of the victims in all our favorite horror media.
0: <laughs> yeah. And then the third story, which I think is my favorite of the three. It's my
1: favorite, too. Is
0: called Skin Deep, and it's the one that Sprig tells.
1: Also known as the Frog Chainsawless Massacre.
0: Yeah, so basically Sprig and ivy are playing bug ball in the woods in the abandoned court that's apparently there and they lose their bug ball it goes crashing into an abandoned house they go to get it and ivy tells sprig the story of the seamstress which is a frog that sucks the life out of other frogs and then and then takes their skin off and sews it together and wears it as clothes and guess who they encounter that's right the seamstress And it's quickly found out that the seamstress is a glass frog with translucent skin. and So they find out that it's a glass frog, and
1: Ivy's just like, Oh, it's okay, she's just uncomfortable in her own skin. And it looks like it's going to be a really wholesome resolution. And then it's like, no way, but she still was fucking killing these frogs and skinning them alive. Ivy Um, uses that as a
0: diversion to take her hat and stick it over the seamstress's head and they book it on out of there and set the place on fire.
1: But does fire kill Leatherface?
0: We don't know. So it pretty much is like a version of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, pretty much. And then Ivy shows up at the house for real and scares the crap out of everyone, which is a fun thing that happens i I like i like ivy ivy's a fun character yeah and then polly runs outside because she's sick of not having her own story to tell and at first it looks like nothing happens but then she turns into like a werewolf kind of thing and she's not evil though she's just vibing she's like hey guys guess what i finally have legs
1: next up is
0: summerween from gravity falls This one, I think, is the purest Halloween episode, because it's got almost everything. Which
1: is hilarious, because it's the one that actually doesn't take place on, like, a Halloween holiday.
0: Well, other than the ones that are, like, Phineas and Ferb, where it's just during summer. Yes,
1: but you know what I mean.
0: Yeah, because the whole thing is that, obviously, for the sake of canon, they're not just gonna do, oh, this is a standalone episode that happens in October, because that doesn't make any sense. But the thing with the submarine Trickster is that it never actually comes back again. And there's a reason why. So the whole thing starts with them going to basically a spirit Halloween store. And they absolutely nailed that. It's so perfect. It is amazing. And they come back to it at the end. But um, Dipper and Mabel were, of course, hyped for another chance to celebrate Halloween. And that's the case until... Dipper finds out that Wendy and Robbie are going to a party and suddenly he feels really insecure about wanting to go trick-or-treating even though he's 12 he should just enjoy it and
1: listen uh man I went trick-or-treating until I was 16 going on 17 and then I was told that I was too fucking old
0: yeah honestly I don't have a problem with that I think that's just fine I mean I kind of got tired of it a little earlier but I still don't have a problem with Anyone wanting to still go trick or treating in high school. It's like, just enjoy your childhood, man. And the thing about Mabel is, she's really smart. She knows how finite childhood is and that they don't have a whole lot of it left and that they need to enjoy it. And the thing is, you could feasibly do both. You could go to a Halloween party and go trick or treating. Why not? Listen, I went
1: to. I went trick or treating and horror nights one year, I'm pretty sure. Yeah.
0: Halloween. But, anyways. So Dipper is acting like he's going to ditch Mabel, but then the Summerween trickster shows up and says that because they've disrespected him, they have to find 500 pieces of candy before the last jack o melon goes out, which shouldn't be that hard considering how many houses actually give out one piece of candy to everyone. Like, usually it's at least two or three. If not more. And multiply that by five people going... But it's only really going to work if Dipper wears his costume, because, of course, twin costumes do very well, obviously. Especially when they match, like, Dipper and Mabel going as peanut butter and jelly, because that's just adorable. And they are almost successful in getting all the candy, but then Dipper loses it because he's trying to not look like a dork in front of Wendy. And they almost get killed by the Summerwind Trickster, which chases them into the Spirit Halloween store and it's revealed that the Summerween Trickster is actually the loser candy that we were all throwing away which
1: let me just say I love the design of the Summerween Trickster except for one thing the fact that its teeth and tears were made out of candy corn and candy corn is not loser candy
0: Emma, you need to chill about the candy corn. It's not that deep. No,
1: it is that deep.
0: No, for real. You're allowed to like or dislike candy corn, but don't hate on other people for what they like. Come on. Candy corn. As long as it doesn't hurt anyone else. If it's something that hurts other people, that's now, different. But candy
1: corn on pizza is a disgusting abomination. Okay, that's
0: a war crime. Candy corn on pizza is a war crime. I'm pretty sure
1: that's a Geneva Convention violation. Yes, that is a
0: war crime as defined by the Geneva Convention. <laughs> um, But yeah, Seuss eats the loser candy monster, and Gordy pops out, and he's fine because he got eaten by it earlier. Lots of people getting bored by things. Stop it. <laughs> Oh, and the other thing that happens is uh, Grunkle Stan is trying to scare the two stubborn trick-or-treaters that... I don't know why they're so intent on staying at the Mystery Shack, because that candy is garbage! Literally. (laughs) Like, they're staying there to try to get candy, and I guess they've hit every other house in town by then? They must have gotten an early start. And last but not least, the final episode in our marathon is my personal favorite, Night of the Living Pharmacist."
1: Holy shit, it was really good.
0: Yeah, I told you. <laughs> this one is all about Doofenschwartz building a repulsinator to make Roger ugly, but it ends up overheating and there's a power surge and it results in a static electric zombie virus where there's Doofenschwartz zombies. And if one of them touches you, you become one.
1: The references and cameos made me lose my shit.
0: Yeah, there, there's some good ones. But before that, um, the, the other things that happen in this episode are, it's it actually starts off with Phineas and Fur building a rubberization race so that they can bounce around the city. And that's kind of a throwback to Summer Belongs to You. And the other thing that this, that's kind of a throwback to Summer Belongs to You is Isabella trying to get Phineas to pay attention to her and it doesn't end up working out and she's about to tell him that she likes him because she's trying to get an emotional bravery patch but then she gets interrupted by the zombie apocalypse and they don't meet up with her until much later and, yeah, like you mentioned, Emma, there's references to everything from Shaun of the Dead to Rocky Horror to Left for Dead.
1: Yes, that Left for Dead reference had me dying.
0: And, of course, the Rocky Horror reference is great. <laughs> Dr.
1: Scott! Janet! Brad! Rocky! Uh! <laughs> <laughs> I love Rocky Horror so much.
0: Yeah. So do Dan and Slumpy. That's why they throw so many Rocky Horror references into, into the show. Yes.
1: Well, I think that's pretty much...
0: I think that's pretty much everything. Is there... I'm trying to think, is there anything else with Night of the Living Pharmacist* we didn't mention? Obviously, the music's great.
1: I gotta go do makeup for people for Halloween, so...
0: Okay, but do you have anything to plug first, Emma?
1: Um, buy the coldest water if you buy it today and today only. It's... I think the promotion ends on Halloween and you use code BOO at checkout. If you spend more than $50, you get a free... Uh, bottle. And if you use code Emma at checkout, with two A's, E-M-M-A-A, you get 10% off your order.
0: Alright, coldestwater.com, code word Emma, with two A's. Yes,
1: ma'am.
0: You can find me on Twitter, at Starport97, and at the YouTube channel Starport97. I have a whole bunch of new videos planned over there, and I'm really excited for that. I also have episodes of my other show, Theme Park Backlot, which is on an indefinite hiatus as the parks are still under mask restrictions and i don't want to film in the parks while you have to wear a mask but the episodes of that are still on there including my episode on star trek the experience you can also find this podcast on twitter at podcast acronym if you like this and want to hear more be sure to subscribe and you'll be able to hear the first official episode when it drops next month it'll be available on anchor and all the other usual places google play spotify apple podcasts and at starport 97 on youtube if you want to help me out even more, you can pledge to me on Patreon. Just search for Chandler De Roche. There's going to be some cool perks over there, including a look at the aborted vlog footage from the original concept for this video, which I'll post on there as soon as I get my new computer set up. So join us next month for our official episode where we'll talk all about the Phineas and Ferb episode that started it all, roller coaster, and also the original pitch, and just for good measure, the musical. See you then.
1: Night of the month. Here are all the monsters, here are all the here are all the here are all the monsters. Thanks for watching, have a safe and happy Halloween. <laughs> ah, six feet apart, man!